Have you ever had a bad user experience? And did you stay with that client or that company or that service after that bad experience? Well, you might have had to. It may have been the only choice, but if it wasn't, did you consider finding something where you could have the experience you wanted to have? Today, I've got two case studies for you on creating a negative voice experience, losing clients, and keeping them. I think you're going to like this episode, and I don't want you to miss a minute. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you with me today as always, and I've got a great episode for you today. Today I've actually got some case studies I want to talk about around creating a voice experience. A couple of things that I encountered last week, and I felt like they were really valuable experiences to walk through. But first, quick reminder, if you are interested in attending one of my live full day events, Make sure you go over to CaptivateTheRoom.com forward slash retreat. I'm going to be doing full days in a number of cities, small group. It's very hands-on, very customized. I would love to spend the day with you. Chicago is coming up fast, and I believe I have about five spots left. Incredible group coming to Chicago. I'd love for you to be a part of it. So make sure you check it out. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that I think I'm going to talk about two experiences. But if I see that this starts going a little long, I will do a second episode on the second experience. They were different in different ways. And I'm not going to name the names of the companies because you might know them. You definitely would know the first one. And I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can tell you who it is. Or I would. So I've had this car for three years. This is the first case study. And really all of this is about the experience you want to create for your buyer and making it consistent. When I talk about the voice experience, I am reflecting on a number of things. You've heard me do episodes about this. The voice experience is, you know what you're going to get here when you come work with me. It is how I use my voice. It is what I reveal in my voice. It is the words that I use when I talk to you, there's an experience that represents me. I did a big study a while back on 
ideal clients seeking sounds, team members seeking sounds, interviewers seeking sounds. This original study actually happened, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah, actually 20 years ago with casting directors. I wanted to prove that the voice played a role in who got cast in the movie. I was primarily working with actors at that time at Mike Nichols School in New York City and then School for Film and Television, which is called something else now. Because when you go to an audition, if you've ever been to an audition, you walk in the room and everybody looks exactly the same. Most of them are same level of talent. Most of them same level of training. They all look like what's does the voice play a role in how the how the casting director picks to then send to the producer for the producer, the other actors, et cetera, to decide. I wanted to prove this, not having any idea what it would ultimately turn into was not an intention to have it be a study on entrepreneurship or why your team won't do what you tell them to do or why somebody hires you or why somebody leaves your company. And the answer was yes, but it was not the sole decision maker. Casting director said that based on the conversation that they have with their producer, director, et cetera, writer, they have a feel for what those people are looking for. Their job is to deliver what those people are looking for. But other factors play in. Chemistry, talent, look. But yes, the voice plays into it because the casting director is listening for a sound. What that character sounds like, the dimensions of that character. How many notes is what I call it. Does that character play? That study, I ended up moving it into entrepreneurship. And it was actually several years I worked on this to determine, to discover, not determine, but discover that indeed ideal clients are seeking a certain kind of experience that is ultimately locked in from what they hear in your voice. So you like to do business with people you like to do business with. Your first indication that you might like them, certainly in the entrepreneur space, is I like your content. I like what you're saying. That really resonates with me. In the professional space, it might be I like what your company's doing. I like I like this interview process. I want to be a part of something that y'all are creating. Those are the first things. But then we have this user experience, if you will. And the user experience doesn't just have to mean the, the client, the consumer, like in these two examples I'm going to give you, I was the consumer. But there's a certain experience that I want to have. And where both of these that are different stories got themselves into trouble is they did not consistently create a good experience. In fact, the first one, pretty much they consistently have had a incredibly negative experience 
yet one person went above and beyond to make it a good experience. So let me just give you the details of this story. So three years ago, I bought a car. 2020, I was leaving California and I needed a bigger car because at that time I had Kirby and Kirby couldn't walk and there were a lot of factors. And so I just needed a bigger car. I bought this car and it came off the, when I test drove it, the AC wasn't working. And I said, what's the deal with this AC? And the salesman said, and these details are actually, I think are important. I'm not going to go into a ton of details, but I want you to, I want you to think about this from the experience perspective. The salesman said, well, they don't have Freon in them when they ship them to us, which I was in California. No offense to my Californians, but I thought, yeah, this there's a lot of regulations here, especially around cars and trucks and fuel. And OK, no problem. Five times in the first year that AC broke five times. Clearly. I was sold a lemon. Three recalls, five times the AC didn't work. Now, let me also give you this little caveat about the AC not working. The dealership has to go to the dealership, was an over an hour drive from where I lived. It was the only option. The other option was a little bit closer, but they couldn't get you in for three or four months. I'm living in Texas at this time. It's 111 and I've got no AC and they're going to get me in in three months. And then I find out why. They don't have enough service techs because they don't have a service tech school. So there's all this stuff. I had to go in the shop a time or two. I'm not even in the five in the first year. I'm not even counting the couple of times they had to go in before I could even get out of California. And I left three weeks after I bought the car. So we've got this situation where, okay, maybe it was supposed to have Freon, maybe not. I don't know. Then it had to go back in. Then I've got three recalls, five visits, AC not working. Then there's another recall and they, they can't get the parts in. We can't get any parts in, but we're going to recommend you don't drive this thing for like three months. And I'm telling you this story over three dealerships, California, Texas, and of course I'm in Florida now. So I'm already not liking this user experience. Here in Florida, my car has been in the shop for 10 days now. I heard a sound. I heard a rattling. I went in for oil. You know, I have to take it into the dealership for the servicing. And he says to me, yeah, there's the thing and the thing and the phalange and the thing. And your transmission is probably going to fall out. My car is not. It barely. I just turned three years. You're not going to be able to drive this thing. Well, when can I get it back? Well, probably tomorrow. We're going to get the part in tomorrow. We'll probably get another day, another day, another day, another day. Finally, I'm like, hey, can I get a loaner car? Yeah, we don't have any. Total indifference to the situation is how I'm being treated by the sales, I mean, the service manager here in Florida. The same was true in California. 
Now, in Texas, there was a lovely woman that had come from Mercedes. So now, you know, I'm not driving a Mercedes. And she was lovely. She went above, as soon as she heard about the fact that, wait a minute, hold on. You, you brought this car in you, three times. This was around time two or three. And I said, yeah. And she worked above and beyond to get the team on board. They went out of their way to rent me rent cars, find me loaner cars, get it done, communicating with me. Unbelievable customer service. So I didn't throw a walleye fit before. Oh, with the car manufacturer because the experience was so good. I thought, you know what? I like these people. I'm going to work with these people. These people are going to take care of me. And now here I am in Florida. No calls. I have had to call every day. No updates. No return messages. Now let me add this other little bit. I was here in Florida when the airbag recall happened and I made an appointment to get this fixed. They knew it was for a recall. I showed up, but I've been calling them. I've been calling them for a week, leaving any messages for a week. Give me a call. I need to let you know the situation. I need to let you know I'm heading out of town. I have to drive this thing out of town. Can you please call me back? Nobody calls me back. Nobody. And that's if you can get past the extremely rude woman who answers the phone. No calls back. So I show up with this recall situation and he said, oh yeah, huh, we can't do that. That's going to take a, we're going to have to take a couple of months to get those parts in. I said, it was clear when I booked this two months ago, what I was doing, I got to drive this thing to Texas in 48 hours. Now you might be thinking at this point, well, this is on you, Tracy. And you can definitely think that if you want. I'm just not giving you all the details and backstory because it's it's really irrelevant. But me taking all the actions, calling all the things, and there were things that were, were wrong in Texas. Don't get me wrong. I got a chipped windshield. I drove in an hour to get it fixed. And they called me and said, you know, the glass guy forgot the glass. Okay. All right. I'll come get it. And we'll do this again. So it's been one thing after another in a lot of ways. But in Texas, because of the way they talked to me, because of the way they communicated with me, I had so much space to show grace. So now here I am, day 10, your transmission's going to fall out of your brand new three-year-old car. And yeah, we don't have a loaner. Yeah, well, you know, and the response is, well, these things take a lot of time. I mean, we've got to take everything out. You know, the transmission of the so-and-so has got to, you know, we have to pull this out. And it takes a lot of time. Okay. I've given you a week. I've given you 10 days. So this indifference is the issue, not the week or 10 days. The lack of communication is frustrating. The tone when I'm being communicated with of total indifference, not my circus, not my monkeys, not my problem, is stunning. So I'm going down next week. I've got all the service records for the last three years, and I'm taking on the manufacturer. I'm taking on the dealerships. 
I'll have to let you know how that goes. But the point of this for this episode is this has been a negative experience. Now, what's really interesting is in one of my groups last week, somebody knew that my car was in the shop and she asked about it. And I said, nope. And I told the short version of the story and somebody else in the group said, oh my gosh, I drive that kind of car too. And it's been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. Five things went wrong the first year. You can't get anybody to to tell you the truth. Half the people are mean. Half the people are nice. So see, we have a consistency problem and we have a consistency in bad customer service. Now you might think, yeah, but that's a major brand. That's a, they're making tons of money. But I have watched things like this in my lifetime. And I have watched companies self-combust. Some of them I was working with at the time to try to help salvage them. I was reading something the other day. And it was a woman that had worked for AOL. And she had been in marketing, I believe. And she talked about how she really, really, really insisted that they market this service as user-friendly. And they blew her off. And they made it complicated. How many of you have AOL now? You see what happens? We want to create an experience that is consistent. And I'm not talking about you can't have a bad day. I'm not talking about you can't have a bad hire because believe me, I understand. I understand bad days and I understand bad hires. But think about this experience. So I will never, ever drive that kind of car again, ever. I will never let any of my family or friends, or I will highly encourage them to never drive that vehicle again, that that manufacturer again. What if my student does that and another person and another person and another person? What is the, maybe they're doing just fine right now, but let's look at the long game versus the short game. The short game is we're taking in cash, we're dealing, we're, we're, we're hustling, we're going. But that will always circle back on you. So you may be doing a short game right now, but maybe we need to look at the long game of the experience you're creating for your buyer. If you're an entrepreneur or your team, if you are a leader, this got me as a leader. I was playing a short game. I was playing a short game of why aren't you in my head? And it cost me. It cost me a lot. And I teach this stuff. So I can only imagine when you haven't embodied it, when you haven't learned it, when you haven't created it. So that was the first lack of consistency, lack of care for the customer created a bad experience. And maybe you can't get my car back for 10 days or two weeks or three months, but the whole linchpin is how do you deliver that message to me? I'm working with a company right now and I love and adore the man that hires me over there. Just really, really top-notch. One of my favorite people. And this is the exact conversation we talked about. What do we want 
when things are falling off the rails, going up in flames? What is the first part of the experience I want my buyer to have? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's not indifference and it's not defense because that just seals the deal for, you know what, I'm taking my business elsewhere and I'll be doing that next week. I'll be having a throwdown. Now, the second thing, and both of these, both of these things happened in the same day. And I owned what happened in the second one. I got a little short. I have to walk my talk just like everybody else. I'll assure you, I still really, I mean, I just really, half of this stuff I created because I was struggling to communicate and certain scenarios, my buttons still get pushed and I have to walk my talk. So there's a company that I have done business with and I had a wonderful, incredible experience with the first go round. As soon as I got on the call last week, the experience had dramatically changed. And I instantly had this really negative reaction. I got really, I don't want to use the word angry, but I got, I, I just, I was not happy. Because, I, and here's why. Because I had been handled so, what's the word that I want? So, I don't want to use the word carefully because that sounds like I was difficult, but I had been really treated like my business matters the first go round. This go round, I could not have felt more like a number, like they'd never met me, like they'd never done business with me. This is a company I've given a lot of money to. And this whole next experience, well, this was actually the third experience. The second one was good as well. Not as good as the first, but okay. But nothing for me to complain about. But this was as if I'd never done business with them. This was shocking to me. And the first thing that I had to look at was my expectation. And this is, this is a big point of the whole thing. This is what's happening with your buyer, with your team with your prospects, with your clients. What are they expecting? And where are you starting? And where are you ending? And what's causing the change? I know in this second experience, a big part of it is pretty intense growth. I don't think, I don't personally find that acceptable. I'm trying to find the balance in what did I expect? And did I have an unrealistic expectation? And what becomes okay? Well, they've had a lot of growth. Well, it's hard to hire people right now. I can show grace for a pretty good amount of time. But when you instantly come on a call and make me feel like a number, like my business is irrelevant, like I'm an idiot, what does that do to the user experience? The voice experience. Well, I didn't have a very good reaction. I had a frustrated reaction and I immediately owned it. I said, and it's a frustrating situation that I'm dealing with as well. Very, very frustrating. At some point soon, I'm going to be able to tell you about it. I can't right now. 
But what was the expectation? The bar had been set. There was an expectation. Should I just be okay with the letdown or am I going to take my business somewhere else? Well, it's all subjective. You you might be like, yeah, no big deal. You know, they're getting it done. It doesn't really matter how they talk to me. But I think you're going to find that's wrong. I see people leaving companies because of how they're spoken to. I see people leaving companies because the status quo changed. And I'm not saying when things change, when we don't get our way, we just up and leave. I'm not saying that at all. I'm really talking about the experience and how do we keep it consistent because that's what creates lifelong customers, lifelong team members, lifelong people that lead well. When I was coming home from the car dealership the other day, when I dropped the car off, the man who drove me in the Uber struck up an immediate conversation with me. And he was talking about he had owned a restaurant in Tampa and we had so much to talk about. But one of the things he was talking about was how he never lost staff. They stayed with him for 5, 10, 15 20 years, something. It was some, I mean, he'd had this restaurant for a long time and his people never left. And he told me about a story about a woman who did leave because somebody offered her more money and promised all these things. And it was all lies. And she came back in tears saying, please let me work for you again. And he talked about how he took care of his people and therefore his people took care of his customers. And he had a very successful restaurant for 20 something years. What is it worth to stop making everything disposable? We live in a world, I think, where TVs, you know, I remember growing up, we had this console TV, probably weighed 500 pounds. I had it my whole life. Well, not my whole life, but you get the point. Now you get a TV, you throw it out when you move. We can't create a disposable experience for our buyer, for our prospects, for our current customers, for our team members, for our organization, for our company culture, if we want to play the long game. Two people lost my business this week. That's just me. You could say, well, that's just you. But what if in the big company, 30,000 people had the same experience all over the world last week. What are they thinking? And what does that do to that company? And then the smaller company, that's probably just 50 people. What happens there? Probably, let me back up. Probably doesn't have 50 employees. He probably has 25, maybe 30, and maybe 500 customers. But what happens there? How many people say, you know what? I didn't like the way that felt. I I didn't feel very helped. I didn't feel very supported. And I'm giving you a lot of money. And this is what we're going to see happen in the recession, in the supposed recession. This is where people are seeking connection and authenticity now like they didn't before. Hold on a minute. Are you really my person? 
can I hear consistency in your voice? Are you in it for the long game? They're hearing that and they're processing it subconsciously. I will tell you that. I want you to play the long game. I've done a whole webinar about this, how this is how I've built a referral business because of the experience that I create for people. The voice experience that I create for people. You've heard me tell the story about the young man who I got on the call with him and we were working on cold calling. He's one of my corporate clients. And he said, how do I do this when I'm exhausted? And I had just gotten birdie at that time. And I said, do you know how much sleep I got last night? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, two hours. And he said, how are you doing this then? And I said, well, exhaustion, I'm exhausted. But why do I want that to be your experience? That's not the experience I want you to have. So I had to work a little harder to tap into a little more vocal energy to deliver an experience I wanted that client to have. And that's what we have to do. We have to dig a little deeper and work a little harder sometimes to create the experience we want them to have, the long game experience, rather than not my problem. That's how you build a sustainable referral business. All right, lots to think about for you, for you as entrepreneurs, for you as employees. I'll be curious to see what comes out of this for you and how you adjust your voice experience for your buyers, for your team. I'm going into a couple of weeks of heavy duty research, a big research study around voice. And I can't even tell you what it is yet, but I will tell you the results when they come out. I think it's going to be very fascinating. I think you're going to find it interesting, but that's it for today. I hope to see you in one of my one day retreats. Thank you again for being here with me and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.